You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Listen, that path that we choose, if it deviates from God's plan or will for our lives, will lead us to the bottom, where one day, God forbid, we may find ourselves opposing God or fighting against God. You know, really, the truth of the matter is we should grieve for David at this point. We should realize that he's just like anyone else. Hey, listen, what do we take away from this? Never get our eyes upon man. What happens when you deviate from the Lord's plans? Never anything good. At first, you might only be stepping off the Lord's path, but slowly the divide grows wider and wider, until one day you find yourself opposing God. As Pastor Mike shares in today's lesson, never turn to the idols of man for safety. God alone is your refuge and strength. If you realize you've turned your eyes away from the Lord, come back to Him today. Turn back to your Father and the ways of Christ. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 27 as he continues his message, Choices That Lead to Disaster. David was now moving, directed by his own skill and understanding, and he was not waiting upon God for guidance. Listen, when you're up against some kind of a situation and you don't know where to turn, you don't know whether to go forward or go backwards or just be still, you know, seek God through prayer. Seek God through his word. Seek the counsel of God. God will speak to you. You can be sure of that. I'm going to give you a bunch of cross-references for this in just a little bit as we continue to move through our study. But God wants to lead us. God wants to guide us. He wants to have an integral part in your life's experience. Like, for example, and again, this is another thing that was so uncharacteristic about uh, David. Before David went into battle, as we've seen so many times before in our previous studies, like, for example, at Kyla, he sought every detail and the outcome of the battle before he ever engaged the enemies. Like, for example, quickly turn back with me to chapter 23. And uh, at this time, as I mentioned before, the 600 men that had joined together with David sort of became guns for hire, sort of like a bunch of mercenaries. On this particular occasion, news was brought back to David and his men, chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Kilah, and they are robbing the threshing floors. And therefore, notice, 
what was David's first response? David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kilah. So do you see that? So this is so uncharacteristic of David, moving without seeking God's will, seeking the counsel of God. And so anyway, now rather than looking to God for help here and direction, he's figuring out his own plan of escape. Now there's something else that I want to draw your attention to that I think is noteworthy. Notice the word speedily in verse 1. Do you see that word there? In my translation, I'm reading out of the New King James, we see the word speedily used. And that word speedily grabs my attention. And out of my own experience in speaking to other Christians, I have found that when Satan is pressuring a person, turning the heat up, there comes that pressure to make a quick decision. Do it now. To make a quick decision, do it now. Don't think about it. Rush into it. Don't take the time out to pray or to seek God's counsel. You know, if you think about it, this is the same ploy that salesmen use. You know, buy it today because it won't be here tomorrow, right? You know, we only have, you know, one of those uh, cars in stock right now. So you've got to move right now. You ever, go, you ever go to a car dealer and try to buy a car? They're always trying to get you quickly, speedily to, you know, to make the deal, right? So this is a ploy of salesmen that are used. And so, but here's the problem. If you're forced into a hasty decision, you'll also experience the results will be a costly decision. You know, there's this old saying, experience is the best teacher, that is, if you can afford the tuition. And how true that really uh, is. Well, anyway, David moved without seeking the counsel of God and God's wisdom. So what do we take away from this? Well, listen, when your back is up against the wall, you're caught between the proverbial rock and a hard place, you don't know what to do, you don't know where to turn, right? Turn to God. That's the wisest choice that you can absolutely make. Don't take things into your own hands. So anyway, that's the second choice that led to David's downfall. And then thirdly, David's third choice he sought safety among the enemies of God. Notice there, we are told also in verse 1, he said, I'll escape into the land of the Philistines. Listen, you don't ever want to escape into the land of the enemies. You say now, at this point, Pastor Mike, what are you talking about the enemies? Who is the enemies? Well, worldly practices. The world. How does this relate to us? Well, People so often turn to worldly things, to worldly practices, to escape their problems. You know, it goes something like this. Uh, here's an example. In my business dealings, if I want to get ahead, I just got to lie or cheat a little bit. I mean, everybody's doing it. I mean, an honest businessman can't stay in business anymore. You know, if he doesn't like just alter things on his own, you know, just lie a little bit, cheat a little a bit. What's going on there? We're compromising. You begin to use worldly or the enemy's methods. You're escaping into the enemy's camp. That would be the equivalent of this. Listen, folks, 
this is a dangerous choice to make. In David's case, as we will see, this move only compounded his situation and his problems. And this is always true when you turn to the enemy for help. And don't do things God's way. Now, you might justify David's actions by dealing, or rather by declaring, well, listen, pastor, I mean, it all worked out. Because notice, let's go on now in our text. In verse 4, we are told, and it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, there in the land of the Philistines, and so he sought him no more. So you might come to the wrong conclusion here. You might be thinking, well, it worked, pastor. You see, there is this common fallacy that states the end justifies the means. But gang, that's so much of a lie. You see, David turning to the enemy, doing his own thing, not seeking the counsel or the will of God, David found that he followed down a slippery path he couldn't stop until he hit rock bottom. Now, let's go back to the text and find out how this whole thing plays out. We follow on here in our story, verses 5 through 9. Let's go back to our chapter now, verses 5 through 9. Then David said to Achish, remember now, Achish is the king there in the city of Gath, if I now have found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country, that is the land of the Philistines, that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city, the royal city that's a re reference to the city of Gath, with, with you? Now at this time, it has been estimated, not only were there 600 men, but remember, 600 men with all of their families, their wives, their children. So it's been estimated at this time that there were 2,500, po it's possible. This is open to speculation, but it's been suggested that at this time, there were 2,500 people that were accompanying David at this uh, time. So they're looking for a place of safety. They're looking for some place to be able to, to live. And so, verse 6, so Achish gave him the city of Ziglag. Now, Ziglag became the center of David's uh, military uh, operations. And, uh, and by the way, Ziglag was also, it, it, you can check this out at the back of your Bibles if you have a Bible uh, atlas, uh, geographical atlas, and you'll discover that Ziglag was actually located there in Israel's southern border. So that's where it is located. So that's where David went. So Achash gave him Ziglag, verse 6, that day. Therefore Ziglag had belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. So now he's residing there in that city with all of the people that had joined together with David. And David and his men went up and raided all of the inhabitants that were surrounding this particular city of Ziglag, the Geshurites, the Gerzerites, the Amalekites, and all of these ites. Uh, for those nations were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. Whenever David attacked the land, these various groups of people, the cities in which they lived. He left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel, 
and returned and came to Achish. So, David at this time, not like before, he fought wars for profit and not for the glory of God. So do you see, it's quite a difference. Okay, so let me explain everything that I've just read for you a little bit more in detail. Okay, so we find David with a large company of people coming to King Achash in the city of Gath. He's seeking refuge, he's seeking asylum. Now because David's company was so large, there was not enough room in the city of Gath. So at David's request, Achash gave David Ziglag to dwell in. And it is possible that at this time, the city of Ziglag was uninhabited. Now to survive, David and his men became a bunch of marauders. And they raided some of the surrounding cities to the south, stealing from the people their goods and cattle. And to cover their tracks, they killed every living person in those villages. Why? Because they wouldn't leave any witnesses. Men, women, and children. So these repulsive acts that David was now practicing. Think about it. What a contrast. Here is the man of God involved in such horrible uh, crimes. Now, being a vassal of King Achash of the Philistines, King Achash, he expected a spoil of all of David's conquests. So David goes up to uh, Gath, and when Achash asked, what have you been doing? Notice in verses, uh, verse 12, David lied once again, covering his tracks. He said, and it's recorded first in verse 10, then Achash would say, where have you made a raid today? Again, he's expecting some of the booty. And David would say, against the southern area of Judah, or against the southern area, Melites, or against the southern area of the uh, Kenites. Verse 11, David would save neither man nor woman alive, once again we're told that, to bring news to Gath. In other words, he, David didn't want any, anybody to be able to tell the king of the Philistines exactly where his men had raided, because Achash had assumed that he was actually going against the inhabitants of the tribes of Judah, his own countrymen. And so David wanted him to believe that he was going against his own uh, countrymen, and there's a reason for that. I'll get to that in just a moment. So David would save neither man nor woman alive so that there would be no witnesses of his actions to bring news to Gath to the king, saying, lest they should inform on us, saying, thus David did. And thus was his behavior all the times he dwelt in the country of the Philistines for those few years. So Achish believed David, saying, he has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. Why would they abhor him? Because they, Achish believed that he was actually going against his own, own countrymen, Israelites, and killing them and plundering their cities. Therefore, he will be my servant forever. Okay, so David now is caught in a web, and Achash is the spider, if you will. So, David insinuates 
here that he's fighting against all of those inhabitants south of Judah, his own countrymen, and Achash thought, all right, now he'll be my servant forever. And David went on in this horrible condition, a murderer. Listen, this is our hero. This is the man of God. What a contrast. Then in chapter 28, and by the way, we'll get to that next time, we find David in league with the Philistines fighting against Israel. David and his men are actually about to go out with the Philistines to fight against Israel, God's people. Actually, he became Achish's captain. Now, if someone came to David when he was first contemplating moving to the Philistines to flee from Saul, and anyone had told him he would turn on and fight against the people of God, he would have thought, that person is crazy. I would never do that. But it is amazing to me when a person makes the wrong turn and deviates from God's path, how low they can go. Folks, that's the deception of sin. We begin doing things that we have sworn we would never do. I don't know if this is a good example or not or illustration, but I don't know how many of you have experience with marijuana, you know, growing up. I, I was one of those people. But I remember I went from, you know, a kid drinking beer, playing basketball, you know, on my block to someone coming around and offering us joints and uh, wanting to experience it because everybody was doing it. It was the 60s, and it was hip and cool to, you know, smoke weed. And so I tried marijuana for the first time. You know, the first couple of times I smoked marijuana, it didn't have any effect on me whatsoever. But then later on, boy, I, I can remember one, one time that I, well, I don't even know if I should get into this, but <laughs> I'm just standing, and I felt like my arms were on backwards, and my whole body, and I really got high. But you know what? Who would have thought that that would have led to smoking a joint, that that would have led to me experiencing and experimenting with other drugs, more harder drugs? Now, I, now there were so many other people who you know, went on to really hard drugs. I, I wasn't one of, the, one of those other people. Like, I'd never done cocaine or you know, some of the other hard drugs. Uh, I did mess around with LSD for a little bit, but I never really got off on LSD and... and you know, I, I quickly stopped doing that. But who would have thought, you know, some of my friends, in fact, this was one of the reasons why I was raised here on the, on the East Coast. Some of them had fallen so deeply into drugs, I felt like I had to get out of there. You know, some of my best friends, guys I played football with in high school, captains of my high school uh, team, went from smoking marijuana to shooting heroin. So there was a point in time in my life where I said, you know what, man, i got to get out of here. The influence is too great on me, the pressure that's being placed upon me. i got to get out of here. So you know what I did? I hitchhiked out to the West Coast. And it was there that I found Jesus, by the way. It was there that I began to be influenced for Christianity. It was there that I first met Chuck Smith. So I got out of here. But who would have thought, my friends, they went from drinking beer to marijuana to using cocaine, but then... You know, the next step was to dealing drugs to support their habit. Who would have thought that's the progression, you see? That, that's what happens. That's what takes place. We're doing things that we would sworn that we would never do. 
David, David would have been repulsed by the idea of fighting against God's people. And it was only God's grace that saved David from actually fighting in that battle that's depicted for us in the next two chapters of this book of the Bible. And we'll discover in chapter 29 that David was actually dismissed by the Philistines. He was ready to go out against them because they were afraid that in the middle of the battle he would turn upon them. And so David and his men were dismissed from this particular battle. Chapter 29. Listen, that path that we choose, if it deviates from God's plan or will for our lives, will lead us to the bottom, where one day, God forbid, we may find ourselves opposing God or fighting against God. You know, really, the truth of the matter is we should grieve for David at this point. We should realize that he's just like anyone else. Hey, listen, what do we take away from this? Never get our eyes upon man. Never make of man an idol, because idols have feet of clay. The greatest servant of God can stumble and fall. So what do we need to do? We need to just simply and always keep our eyes upon Jesus. Well, listen, that brings us to our fourth and our final point. So what do we learn here from what we've studied? What do we learn here from this chapter? So this sort of serves as a review of all of what we've already talked about. The first thing that we should take away from this, the first thing that we learn is don't open the door of your heart to fear. Remember, God is with you. He is your shield about you. So stand strong in faith and on his word. Secondly, we need to seek God in prayer. We need to seek God through his word because there God provides counsel for his people. Don't devise your own plans. Don't devise your own scheme, your own course of action. Remember, he is near to all who call upon his name. The 145th Psalm in verse 18. As a cross-reference, the Lord is near to all who call upon his name, to all who call upon him in truth. Remember that. God is always ready and willing to respond to your requests, to your questions. He's there for you. It's one of the perks of being a child of God. And then thirdly, lastly, don't turn to the enemies of God for safety. Don't seek to enlist their help or their ways. There's no refuge among the ungodly. Remember, God alone is our refuge, our strength. It is the righteous God who rewards and causes us to be fruitful. The 46th Psalm in verse 1 is another cross-reference for you. God is our refuge and strength, and I love this. And you often hear me refer to this verse of Scripture, right? A very present help in time of... And so I hope that you've learned these lessons, learned them well. These are the choices that will lead you down that path of disaster as well. So let us learn from David's experience. In my father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where i long to be oh my first samuel takes you from the pastures that david shepherded to saul's palace where david played his harp it walks you through the battles that were won and lost and it touches on one of the most unique friendships in the whole bible 
To say this book is interesting is an understatement. There are so many lessons to be learned from reading 1 Samuel. Ultimately, we're reminded that people wanted a human king. But no ruler or leader on earth will be perfect and they'll make many mistakes. Only God is perfect and is the very best king. Thanks for listening today. You can explore more of Pastor Mike's messages by searching for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday service so everyone has the chance to attend and worship as a community of believers. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for listening in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time as Pastor Mike teaches on 1 Samuel, here on In My Father's House.